I want to start off with the story uh, this morning that happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was having lunch with my friend John, and John is a financial advisor, so he's like the money guru guy. Uh, so we're having this little conversation, and I asked him to ha- help me with some things, and he's 401k this, Roth IRA that, 501c3 this, and I'm like, just, John, just, if you were me, what would you do, okay? I mean, I don't, I don't know what all that stuff means. And so we had a great, great lunch, and uh, we were just catching up because I hadn't seen him in a long time. We were eating at a Mexican place here in, in um, Bloomington. So it went well, and at the end, the check came, and he said, no, I'm picking it up. I'll, I'll take care of it. And I was like, Jonathan, that is so nice of you. That is so cool. And so I was like, you know, what a great day. He helped me with some long-term financial planning things, had a great lunch, great friendship. And about a half an hour later, I get this frantic call from him. He's like, Dan, what's the name of that restaurant that we just ate at? And I, I gave him the name. I'm like, why, Jonathan? What's the deal? And he's like, well, this is really, really embarrassing, but I forgot to pay. I was like, oh, yeah, that's just a, just a minor detail there. But um, he's like, uh, and uh, I'm already, he lives south of here about 45 minutes. He's like, I'm already almost home. And so I, I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, well, here's the name of it. Here's the number. And uh, he, he I, I checked in with him about an hour later, and uh, his wife was telling me how embarrassed he was that he said he would pay for lunch and then forgot to pay. But he, he did call him, and he gave him his credit card number, and they did finally uh, put out, because he was afraid, because when we left, I, I went to the restroom, and he left, so he thought when I walked out, like they were going to, well, I don't know, whatever they do at restaurants, if you don't pay, if you walk the check, but they were like going to get me, and, and so it, it ended up being perfectly fine. But um, the interesting thing about that story is, Jonathan and I had lunch, and we ate the food, which is the part that we enjoy, right? We all enjoy going to restaurants, and we enjoy that part of it, eating the food. And and that was a lot of fun. But we forgot about the part that we owed, which was the bill, because that's also an important part when you go out to eat, right? There's the meal, which you enjoy, which you look forward to. Then there's the bill, which you have to pay, which you don't like. So we, we did the first part. And ate and enjoyed it, but we kind of skipped out on the second part, right? Which is the part that is not as glamorous or as much fun. Well, I tell you that story because many times I think in our lives and our relationship with God, we kind of do the same thing with God. We, we kind of walk the check with, with God. And let me explain how we do that. You know, we're all about God loving us. Because we think that's really cool because we want God to love us. We believe that God loves us. And we're so into that, God loving us. And and so we kind of take that and we enjoy it. And that's the part we like. But but then other passages of scripture in the Bible where God talks about loving other people, that's the part where we kind of skip out on. We're just real big about God loving us. God loves me. God, God cares for me. God's watching out for me. But, but then the second part of now God wants me to love other people, and it's kind of like, well, I kind of do the first part, you know, where God loves me, but the second part, you know, that, I'll just leave that for somebody else. That's not really my responsibility. I, I just, that's not my thing. I only eat the meal. I don't pay for the meal, okay? Kind of one of those things. So many times we're, guilty of doing that. We want God's love for ourselves, right? We want God to love us. That's the part we enjoy, but we're not too interested in sharing God's love. So today I want us to look at a passage of scripture, 
And if you grew up in church, it's a verse you heard over and over and over and over. When I was in a little kid in Sunday school growing up, we used to say this verse, and whoever could say it the fastest would get a little sticker. So it's probably not a verse you've ever heard before, but I want to look through it with a little different lens. The lens that sometimes that we look through is the lens of selfishness when it comes to God's love. And so I want us to look at that verse and try to take that lens off and see what God intended for it to say instead of what sometimes we make it to say. So the passage is John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All right, I'm going to read those. You can follow along on the screen. Probably not verses you haven't heard before. But John writes and says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And it's interesting that we look at that verse and we look at it through a lens. And many times that lens is a selfish lens of what that verse means to me. What that verse means in my life. I've spent a lot of time this winter going to basketball games. I go to a lot of basketball games. And it's amazing to me when you're at a basketball game that something can happen on the court and the ref can make a call and, and one side of, of the, the bleachers responds an entirely different way that the other side of the, the bleachers responds, even though it's the very same thing that happened. Have you, have you ever noticed that? It's, it's, it's really interesting. So a foul is called. These people over here think that the ref is the greatest ref that they've ever seen. These people over here you know, can't stand the guy, can't believe that someone even allowed him to be a referee, but it's the very same thing that happened. Now that's interesting because it's a, it's a perspective kind of thing. That there's a lens that we put on, and in that, in that lens we see things differently. So many times when it comes to that verse, John three sixteen, I think you and I put on a lens, and we look at that verse as, how does that verse apply to me? Which you know what? It does apply to every person in here. But there's another component of that verse is, if that verse applies to me, then what am I also responsible for? And that's the part where sometimes we just kind of check out on God. Because God cares for people who are really, really far from him. You and I have to love and care for people who are far from God also. See, that's where it breaks down. We know that God loves us, so we're all into that. But when it comes to God wanting us to love other people, then there's kind of a disconnect that happens. And many times we just don't go there. We just want the God loves me part and and skip out on the God loves others part. Because the God loves others part, what's in it for us, right? Right? I mean, when God loves me, what's in it for me is God loves me, eternal life, I don't, get a, I don't go to hell. I mean, those are all great things. But the God loves others part, it's like, I, I don't get that. It doesn't sound like I'm getting anything. This doesn't sound like a deal where I'm coming out ahead, me loving other people. So often, we, we kind of, through our lens, we kind of change this verse. And this is, this is how we change it or interpret it. We, we change it to say, For God so loved me that he gave me his one and only son, that if I believe in him, I will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn me, but to save me through him. Now, that's not necessarily incorrect. It's just not complete. That's just half 
of the verse. We take it and personalize it, which is great, but we miss out on the part where God says, you know, it's not all just about you. Because God has a heart and a compassion for other people, lost people, people who are far from him. And we, as his hands and feet, are then called to share that love with others. So we walk the check. We say, thanks, God. You know, that's really cool that, you know, you love me, but I, and that's great, and I'm going to take that and run with it. But then we fail to really, really do anything else because of it. But God cares for people who are far from him, and because God cares for those people, you and I have to as well. So let's go back and just unpack those verses and go through them just, just briefly here today, and let's look at what they say. For God so loved the world. Now, in case you didn't do very well in geography class, the world is a very big place, okay? Big planet, all right? Big blue round matter that's floating out there in the solar system. I pulled this up on the internet. 196 million square miles on planet Earth. Okay, not our 6.8. 91 billion people over 6,000 languages. So when God says, for God so loved the world, that's not just you. That's like everybody else also. I mean, we read it that God loves me. Well, God does love you, but you know what? God loves everyone else too. And it's a big place. It's a big planet. And because of that, we don't like to think of it because then it's like, oh, well, there's a responsibility then that I'm supposed to love other people, and I don't even know quite how to do that, and that seems, I, I don't even know where to start. But it's a big place, and some of us have to grapple with that truth, because we have to acknowledge, if that is true, and God so loved the world, then we have a responsibility. We can't take the first half and not take the second half, because God loves you, plus God loves others, equals you and I having to love other people, to care about the people that God cares about. That goes on in the second part of verse 16, that he gave his one and only son, that God sent Jesus to come down to earth so that you and I would have our sin paid for by Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice. But he didn't come just for you and me. He came for everyone on this planet, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, the Greek word, whoever, translates whoever. All right, that, so now you know a little bit of Greek, all right? It's whoever. That means like anybody. That means everybody. That means all in, it's all skate, okay? Everyone participate. Who, whoever believes in him shall not perish. So it, it's not quite fair for us to put on our lens to go, you know what, God loves me, so that's great. I'm gonna take the me part and I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm done, Dan. I'm good. I don't need any more. It doesn't work that way for God because God cares for people who are far from him and we have a responsibility to love those people also. The working definition of an American Christian is kind of a person who believes in God tries to be a good person, goes to church, and respects others by keeping them fa their faith to themselves. That's kind of what we do in America. You're a good Christian if you do those things. You know, you try to be a good person, you go to church, and you respect other people, and you just kind of keep your faith to yourself. But that's not what I read in the Bible. That's not the type of radical transformation we see happening in the book of Acts. That's not 
people that, that were blown away because God had sent Jesus to die for them, and so therefore they went out and loved other people in this crazy new way. Because when we act like that, when we, we just keep it all to ourselves, we just walk the check on God. We just eat the meal and go, you know, I like that part, but I'm not really interested in the rest of it, God. But because God cares for people who are far from him, you and I have to love and care for people who are far from God also. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The problem with most of us is we have the wrong impression of God sometimes. We think God wants to condemn us. Some of us think that God is this cosmic power that's just like waiting for us to do something wrong. That, that God just enjoys catching us doing something wrong so that he can punish us. Anybody see the movie uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop? Anybody like that, like that movie? Okay, if you saw that, Carter liked it. If you saw that movie, he, he's basically a mall cop, and basically the, all the power kind of goes to his head, and he just loves it to like go around the mall and find people that are like breaking little min- minor rules, and he gets really into catching people breaking minor rules. When I was in college, we had some um, students that they hired to do security on campus, and you know, something about that, man, when you get that little badge on them, it's like, you know, you, like a guy that would be in your biology class, and you think he's your friend, all of a sudden, when he works for campus security, like, he's like empowered to find any minor offense that he can nail on you. You know what that's like, right? We've, we've all had people in our lives like that. Well, we sometimes think that God's like that, like God's looking down, he's got all these rules, and he's just waiting for us to, to break one. And when we break one, bam, like got another one. And like he's like keeping score. Like, you know, I got Stephanie 18 times this week. And, but, but God's not like that at all. Because we, we read in that passage that God didn't send his son Jesus down to condemn the world. He, he wanted to free the world. Th- that's the, the message of what God is trying to explain to us. And so we need to rethink that, you know, our Heavenly Father wants the very best for you. He wants, he wants the very best for you. He is your biggest fan in everything that you do. God is for you, not against you. And so as believers, those who understand that and receive that grace, our job is then to let other people know that it's available. N- not to just take it for ourselves, not to just hoard it, but to share it with others. The last part of John 3.17, it says, but to save the world through him. So God sent Jesus to come down to earth and be a payment for our sins. Not so just that we could enjoy, enjoy it and take it ourselves, but hopefully to motivate us to share that love with others. That's what God wants for us. And that's all well and good when, when we accept that grace that God gives us, but when we also cannot ignore that grace and, and keep other people from accepting it. Because God cares for people who are far from him. God expects us to care for people who are far from him. I wrote this down in my notes. Um, I think it's up on the screen too. Personal salvation has a selfish quality to it Loving those who are far, or loving those who God loves has a selfless and sacrificial quality to it. Now, maybe that's a little weird for you to think of that salvation has a selfish quality to it. But, but you know, 
If you went to, to church camp like I did, you know, they have a little bonfire, and basically someone plays the guitar, and you're sleep-deprived, and you've been living on corn dogs and tater tots for a week, and then they're like, you know, if you don't want to go to hell, you need to come down here and give your life to Jesus, and, and you know, you're like, duh, I mean, who wants to go to hell, and, and, and you know, I haven't had any sleep, so yeah, I'm going to do that, so that's great, because you know why? What motivated me to do that at camp was I didn't want to go to hell. Okay, it's pretty plain and simple. If I'm honest, that was my motivation. So salvation is this wonderful thing, yet, it, yet we tend to have this selfish quality to it. But those, when we, when we love other people, when we reach out and care for the people that God cares about, there's this selfless, sacrificial quality about it. Now, let me give you some reasons why we don't do this very well. And there's just three, okay? Three that, that I can think of. First of all, loving those who are far from God is messy. All right? It's just, it's just messy. Uh, a couple weeks ago on Tuesday night, I went to the meeting for the Genesis house where we've got about 25 people that are uh, agreed to help us here at Exodus work with the homeless people. And Dave Woodcock, pastor at that church, uh, didn't gloss over the situation that trying to provide shelter every night for 40 homeless people is an easy task. It is not an easy task. He talked about stories. He talked about things that have happened. He talked about things that he had to be prepared for, things that he never dreamed of having to think through and be prepared for. Because you know what? Loving other people is, is messy. It's just messy. It's just not easy. It just doesn't fit in your box. It, and it just doesn't always come in this nice little package. It stretches us beyond our comfort. It, it requires things from us, and it's just messy. But just because it's messy doesn't mean that it's not our responsibility. Okay, the second reason that we, we don't sometimes want to love other people is loving those far from God is not easy. All right, the group that we had up here that traveled to Mexico, it's not easy to travel to Mexico. I mean, there's a lot of logistics. There's a, a lot that was involved. There was a lot of time that they put in. It, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to do. But to them, it wasn't about what was easy. It was about what, what they felt God was calling them to do and stretching them. So maybe there's a person that, that you work with that is just kind of a difficult personality for you. And maybe God wants you to reach out and just try to show him God's love in, 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 some, in some way. But you think, well, this is, that's not going to be easy because they they're kind of annoying. You know, they got lots of little habits that just irritate me. But God never said that loving other people was going to be easy. But we're still supposed to do it. Maybe there's a professor or a person in your class that's kind of... Um, real aggressive towards Christianity, kind of an atheistic attacks people who are Christians, and you just really don't like that person. But you know what? God said our job is to love them, to, to love them. And he never said that it was going to be easy. The third reason that um, we look at God through this lens of selfishness sometimes is those who are far from God or loving those far from God will cost us something. It will take emotional energy from us. It will take time. It may take even some of our personal finances. It might cause us to be questioned. It might cause someone to think that we're a freak. But you know what? It costs Jesus his life. And loving others will cost us something. But in the end, it will all be worth it. 
It will all be worth it because someday we're all going to be in heaven. And, and, and I think that day when you get to heaven and you see people that will be in heaven because you knew that you had some role in loving them and, and, and sharing God's love with them in some capacity and to see them there, I think we'll make it all worth it. Let me give you another story that I can kind of uh, put it in perspective. Let's say you're traveling to spring break, okay? So you're going to spring break, that drive down to Florida, you're going like down to the southern part of Florida. You're, you're, going, to, um, you're going to the Florida Keys, all right? So you're on this trip, you're ready to go to Florida, and when you get here, welcome to Florida, the Sunshine State, you're like, yes! We have made it. We have made it to our destination. And so here's what you do. You go ahead and get the, the lawn chair out, and you get the umbrella out. You pull over at the rest stop, you know, where they have the sign, and they give you the free orange juice. And you go there, and, you know, you got your Speedos on. You got your, uh, you know, you got your sunscreen all over, and you're just laying there because spring break, Florida, baby, you made it, Right? You made it to the state line. You're in the rest stop. You're across the state line. You're in Florida. But that's really not why you go to Florida for spring break, is it? To like just get in, just cross the line, to just make it to the state line? I mean, that's not. You're thinking beach. You're, you're thinking the ocean. But, but if you've traveled to Florida, you know that when you get to Florida and you think you're almost there, you still have a long way to go, a long way to go. So many times, I guess, we kind of approach our relationship with God in, in many the same way. I mean, part of God's plan for our life is to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. But my prayer is that all of us would not just be content to stop with that. Because to, to take that selfishly, to me, is to like go to Florida on spring break and stop at the rest stop and be done. Because there's so much more. But, but we're so willing to just go, okay, that's enough. You know, I made it. I, I did my part. I, I, I got my salvation. I love God. God loves me. We're all good, right? God says, no, no. That's, 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 that's just, that, that, that is great. But because God loves people who are so far from him, you and I also have to have a heart and love those people the same. Three questions that I want you to consider today as we kind of wrap up. I don't have the answers to these questions for you. Only you can answer these questions. But here's the first one. How does my life reflect God's passion for people who are far from him? You know your life. You're the only one that can answer that question. You kind of heard the team from uh, Mexico talk about that a little bit. To grapple with that question. How does my life reflect God's passion for people who are far from him? Because you know what? It's a scary question because you may go, uh, you know what? It doesn't. Not at all. Because I'm into me. I do me kind of things. And, and so if that's the case, maybe you and God need to wrestle with that. Maybe, maybe you need to figure out what that needs to look like more and more. Second question is this. What might God want you to start doing to reflect his heart for lost people? Maybe there's some things you need to start doing. I don't know what those are for you. You ask God that question, and you and God can wrestle and figure that out. What are some things that God may be calling you to start doing? Number three, what might God want you to stop doing to reflect his heart for lost people? What are, are, are there things, are there habits, are there other things that occupy your time, they take your attention? Well, maybe they're not even bad things, but maybe they're things that just compete 
for what God wants you to care about. Because God sent Jesus to die for every single one of us, as it says in John chapter three. And then when we receive that grace, when we fully understand that love, we should be motivated to then go out and share that love with other people. Let's pray together. God, thank you um, for your compassion. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that um, you sent your son to die for each and every one of us, even though all of us in here um, are, are not worthy of that. But Father, um, forgive us for the times when we just selfishly take that that love, and we use it all for ourselves. We take the first half and the first part, and, and we just internalize it and, and, and never share it, never pass it on, never tell others about it. Structure our lives in such a way that we only live in these selfish little silos. We look through everything with the lens of what's in it for me, and we don't really open ourselves up to, God, what is it that you want us to do? Which we know what that is, is to go and love other people. That may be in Bloomington, that may be in Indiana, that may be in the United States, that may be in the far-reaching corners of the earth. But God, there's a big planet out there, and you've called each of us to at least do what we can to show your love to other people. So I pray that for each person here that you would somehow give us a way this week to show us how to show that love to others. Um, make it very personable, make it applicable, make it something that, that we can start on, that we can look back and feel like we've showed, shown your love to people who don't know you and may be really, really far from you. But Father, you call us to do that and to be obedient to you. And so that is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start our time of communion here in, in just a second. And so if I could have our uh, people that are serving communion to come up front and take their places. There'll be four spots, one here, two in the center, and one over here. At Exodus, if you're a follower of Christ, you're invited to come and take uh, communion with us. And here's how we do it. We tear the bread, dip it in the juice. And then you can take it right then, or you can walk back to your seat, however, however you feel led to do that. We also have a prayer room over here to my left, your right. And uh, maybe you're here today, and you just want someone to, to pray for you. And it may have nothing to do with what we have uh, talked about today, but you just want someone to pray for you. Maybe it's in starting a walk with Christ. Maybe it's, it's something completely different. There's going to be people back there, and they would love to just... Uh, pray for you in whatever way that they can help. So I'm going to uh, say a prayer for us, and then Andy's going to come up and have a couple of songs, and then when you're ready, you just come up and make your way up to communion. Let's stand up, please, and let me pray for us. God, thanks again, and we remember your son Jesus. We remember his broken body and his shed blood that was given for each and every one of us. Thank you again, Father, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.
want to say a big thanks to Andy Hollis for uh, leading worship with us today for us. Uh, Andy's going to be back a couple times in April, and so we've appreciated him filling in. And I think next time you come in April, we have the whole band, right? Yeah, we get a whole band back. Uh, Nathan Furr will be leading worship next weekend. And um, so a couple other things. Um, shout out to the Bloomington South Panthers for winning semi-state yesterday. So um, at least if I can't pick NCAA tournament teams, at least I got a team, high school team going to state. So anyway, feel good about that. Uh, Sherry Jordan, are you here? If you're here, could you come up front really quick, please? Um, yes, this is Sherry. And uh, I, actually, I met Sherry. I had not really, we'd met face to face, and she come, came up to me after service last week, and her father and mother are missionaries in Japan. Um, so she kind of has a real connection to what's been going on and what we've been seeing going on in television. And um, so I asked Sherry to just kind of um, share with me how, how we can help. Because if you're like me, I'm like, I don't even, I don't know what to pray for. I'm not sure how, how to help. So uh, up on the screen, you'll see the CrashJapan.com website. And if you will go to that website, there are some... Uh, things that are going on in some ways that you can help, ways that you can pray, pray specifically for what's going on, some information about what's going on in, in Japan, in churches and missionaries that are working, and even financially, if, if you want to be able to help, there are some ways for you to do that as well. So um, I just wanted to bring Sherry up here. If you've got more questions and you want to talk with her afterwards specifically, you, um, you can certainly do that. But we're going to close our service out, and we're going to continue this week, and we're going to pray for the people in Japan again, all right? God, as you've talked to us today um, in the book of John chapter 3 uh, about your plan to love each one of us and also your plan to love every person on this planet, um, the people in Japan desperately need to know that love. And Father, as the church, we are your hands and your feet, and we pray that um, you would show us how, how we can help and how we can pray. And Father, for the people on the ground, for, for Sherry's mother and father, for the other Christians uh, and people that are there in Japan, Father, would you just uh, use them to shine your light bright um, in, that, in that area of the world that so desperately needs hope right now. And Father, with all that's gone, with all the devastation, may they see the hope of Christ, may they see people living it out, and um, may they see that, that you can provide an eternal life and you can um, give us more than anything we could ever have, even when everything on earth seems to be gone from us. Um, I just pray for Sherry, I pray for her parents, Father, use them in a mighty way, and um, thank you for your son Jesus, and thank you for the hope that we do have through him. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, on your way out, if you could take your chairs and take them to the wall, have a great weekend. Thanks for not making me talk.